0: All right, welcome back to the show. Here it is the Wrestling with Legends podcast. I am your host, Vince McKee, joined tonight by a man who is synonymous with the word professional wrestling. This guy has done it all Uh, promotions, singles, tags. His family has been in it. Just an amazing story. Welcome to the show, Jacques Rougeau. Hey,
1: thank you,
0: Shannon Tattoo. How are you? I appreciate it. (laughs) So um you know before we get before we get to your career I,
1: I'd rather I'd rather call you than
0: Vince. Yeah, that's all right. I and if and trust me. I mean
1: Vince, me, Vince McMahon then okay, I'm getting.
0: No, I believe I'm it. Gonna... And, and and my my wife would uh uh rather you call me uh Channing Tatum as well quite frankly. So <laughs> Um so uh good stuff here to
1: Recording in progress.
0: Uh wanted to start off though uh you know before we get into your career What can you tell us? You are involved with something I find to be truly incredible called the National Canadian Tournament. This is something truly unique as four winners will win $5,000, spend three months at the Nightmare Factory with QT Marshall. Just an unbelievable opportunity you're providing for everybody. Tell us all about it.
1: Well, you know, thank you for spending the time on this. It's important to me. I've been working on this with my girlfriend for nine months now, actually. And recruiting it's going to be a first in canada that uh because there's 10 provinces in quebec in canada and uh i'm from the province of quebec the french part of canada and uh and for the first time the 10 provinces are going to work together and uh so so i want to recruit the best uh, independent wrestlers in in every province from vancouver all the way to halifax east coast to west coast and uh, and put some prizes together there. put like you said there's going to be uh four winners of five thousand dollars and then there's going to be three months for uh, wrestling uh, with uh, the school of the nightmare factory with qt marshall which is a great open door you know, opening for for any kind of canadian wrestler that wants to make it in an american big league so uh so this is really exciting and uh, but there's so much to say about this it's gonna be like uh it's gonna be like a, t- a reality show because there's going to be judges around the ring, and we're going to start with 40 contenders on the 15th of May, It's starting on the 15th of May, and we're going to go, uh, there's going to be four big shows, and we're going to eliminate four wrestlers. Uh, we're going to emulate more than that. We're going to keep four wrestlers at the end, but mostly every show there's going to be four wrestlers eliminated. Certainly. And, uh, and there's going to be judges by the ring voting for not judging on who's winning or losing the match, because that's going to be out of the flip of the coin, but it's going to be more like out of the character, the charisma, the uh, the, the ability in the ring, how to talk on a mic, and uh, everything that it takes to make a good wrestler. And so there'll be uh, judges around the ring for that, and, uh, and the judges are going to vote for 40% of the votes. But the fun part of this contest now that's going to be seen worldwide on YouTube You just need to go on wrestling-academy.ca if you have a chance to put that link there at the end. It's wrestling-academy.ca, and people could subscribe, and then 60% of the people around the globe are going to vote from home on their text or from telephone to see who they want to keep continuing and who they want to eliminate. So it's going to be like a reality show. So this is really awesome.
0: That's incredible, and, you know, like I said, Can't think of a better guy than yourself, you know, with all the years of experience. And that's kind of where I want to start because you grew up around wrestling and how did that affect your passion to get into it once you were old enough to do so?
1: Well, you know, I was born in that. You know, my my father was a wrestler. My uncle was a wrestler. Uh, my brother Raymond is older than me. He was wrestling before me, like five years before me. My great uncle was a wrestler, Eddie Oje. So, my three sons did wrestling too. So, we're four generations of wrestling in, in Quebec. And, uh, but I was like three, four years old, and I can remember uh, on Sunday nights there, uh, my father was uh, promoting with my uncle Johnny in Montreal, Jacques and Johnny Rougeau, the original Rougeau brothers. And they were promoting the territory here in montreal and uh, and uh, every sunday night they'd have a big opponent come to my house uh, by the river about 20 miles northeast of montreal and they would come and they would uh, take like a face-to-face picture for the newspaper the next morning to promote it like they do in boxing and mma today you know they have the weighing and they have the face-to-face and they promote it well in those days they promote it on Sunday night and the Monday morning it would be in the papers and the show would be Monday night because it was wrestling every Monday. It it's would early. be religious. Yep. So every Sunday there's some opponents that would show up in my home, like Abdullah the Butcher or Joe LaDuke, or or you know, all these big guys, you know, Ivan Koloff and uh, and, and that, that would wrestle my uncle Majani. And I was like three, four years old and I could see these men come in the house, you know, and uh, and especially Abdullah and Joe LaDuke, they weren't too pretty to look at with all the stars <laughs> in their foreheads and everything. So I was, like, really impressed by all that. And, uh, and I grew up like that. And, uh, and, and, and while my father was such a star, uh, he was such a well-received and well-liked in the community that uh, almost every Quebecer were following them. And they were seen on them on TV like every week on Saturdays on TV. So they were really hot shot there. <laughs> and so when I go to school on Monday morning, you know, and most of the time I'd be, I'd be so proud. You know, when Not I was sure. six, seven years old, I'd be so proud to just tell the guys, uh, tell my friends in the bus during the school bus in the morning, hey, did you see the paper this morning? You know, <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes they'd say, yeah, 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 we saw your dad's wrestling Abdullah tonight. And I said, no, no, no. Did you look between my father's legs? Yeah. You know, because I was putting my head there. You know, just
0: yeah.
1: to be in the so it was like, uh, it was part of my life to, to become a wrestler,
0: I guess. That's incredible. And, you know, one, one of the things I researched, too, I'm, I'm a big Canadian wrestling fan. You know, truth be told, and we'll talk about it in a bit, um, some of my all-time favorite wrestlers are Canadian. Chris Jericho, Bret Hart's my all-time favorite. It's just such a culture out there. What was, like, wrestling, you know, before we got to the WWF, and we'll get there in a second, but a little bit, you know, for, for Stampede Wrestling and, and just being around, you know, the legend that is Stu Hart.
1: Amazing, you know, when I first started wrestling, uh, my first territory. I was 17 years old, and uh, and I used the Rougeau name because it was so popular that like they had the Hearts out west, and you had uh, and you had the Rougeaus out east, and uh, and and the reputation of my dad and my uncle was was everywhere, and, and, and so uh, so I remember I was uh, I was 17 years old, and I weighed about uh, 175 pounds, wet. And uh, and you know, I was really skinny, actually, my, my nickname at home was Bones
0: you know,
1: <laughs> because I was about six foot three and I weighed 175 pounds. And uh, but I had this passion of wrestling since I was young, and I was very good at wrestling because I'd started at the age of four years old just to, to imitate the wrestlers around the pool at home and stuff like that. And, and, and I guess I had it in me, so 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 I, I became a um, passionate about it when I was very young and then at the age of 17 I told my dad I said hey I'm ready to go on the road I'd been working like for two three years in little little parks and little shows mini shows and stuff and uh, and my father would look at me and he'd say hey you're too young you know you're too skinny work out you know just work out a bit and, and so finally I went to see my mom uh without my dad knowing and I told my mom I said uh mom I said I'm gonna go ahead and call Stu Heart in Calgary and I said I'd like to go wrestle there for Stampede Wrestling and uh and uh, so i gave him a call and i used my notoriety and uh so so when stu answered the phone you know he, he was such a character i don't know if you know stu personally but uh but he was such a character he uh so anyway i called him on the phone and i was uh so so when he answered the phone i said uh, mr hart i said uh, my name is jimmy rujo you know, my name was Jimmy, by the way, because yeah. my, 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 my in English it was Jimmy and Jacques in French. Sure. And my mother was English, so so I said my name is Jimmy, and, and out west it was English too, uh, Canada. So 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 I said my name is Jimmy Rougeau, and I said uh, I would like to come and work for you, you know. And then he says, "Hey, uh, eh, eh, <laughs> are you uh, are you uh, are you part of that uh, that that that, uh, that Rougeau family there?" Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. I thought I was with the weirdest guy on the phone, you know, like he yeah. really talk like that, you know. But I was so impressed, and then I said yes. I said my father Jacques and my Johnny. and then he said, uh, eh, "Well, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we could give you a try there, uh, Jimmy." And, uh, so that so, so I went to see my mom. And my mom had lent me $500. I'd ask her to borrow $500 because like I said, my father didn't want me to go on the road yet. So I, I was very anxious. So my mom gave me $500 and uh, so I could pay my first week at the hotel and pay the trans and everything. And then sure. I started when actually at that time, Bret Hart was actually driving the bus at that time. He wasn't wrestling yet. And uh, so, so I, uh, I started wrestling there and uh, what an experience. I, I wrestled like for four year, uh, four months and uh, and then I came back to Montreal and then the next year went back again for another four months and uh, and then went to Mexico from there. And uh, and I had a connection to go to Mexico. And then I started Kansas City and Knoxville, Tennessee. And then I started on the road with all the small territories. But but, uh, but what a great experience to work with Stuart. Uh, you know, he, he always wanted to take me. He was, so, he was so nice to me because he respected my dad and my uncle so much, had a reputation. So on Sundays, you know, he'd invite me to his home and to to have lunch with his family, which sure. was about sixteen kids, I think seventeen kids, and they were all there, and there was about thirty cats. Yeah. But anyway, it was, like, it was amazing that. But the hospitality was awesome, and uh, but he'd always try to bring me down to his dungeon. Yeah. You know, like he had this reputation of, and I'd heard about it
0: because guys had told me, whatever you do, don't go in the basement two yeah. hearts
1: because <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll be sorry. So every time he tried to, to to invite me downstairs after a meal or something, I'd say, "Oh, I I'd love to go, but I I have a date there. You yeah. know, I have an appointment <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> but, uh, but what a great family. What a great, great uh, opportunity that was. That's
0: excellent. You know, there's a hidden gem out there that I, I I tell people to go back and watch. You know, I grew up, I'm 40 years old, so I grew up with VHS tapes, right? So I still have them all, all the old WWF tapes. There was a card shortly after you arrived in the WWF, and it's called The Big Events. And I encourage fans at home... Guys, it's called the big event. It was at CNE Stadium in August of 1986 in front of 62,000 fans. And this is where the Toronto uh, Blue Jays baseball team played before the Sky Dome. So this is a real, real big event. You were on that card, you and your brother, wrestling the Dream Team. And now this is why it's big to me, because the Dream Team is fresh off a title run at this point. they they've been champions. They had just lost, so they still had a lot of heat on them, a lot of buzz. And the WF, the bookers that night, they put you guys over. I mean, how did that feel? You know, number one, winning in Canada is always huge. And then number two, getting that huge push right off the bat.
1: Jesus Christ, uh, thanks for the memory. I don't remember
0: winning. Yeah, but you anyway, did. Yeah, I,
1: uh, yeah that's, that's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember working with the dream team. I, I love to work with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine because uh, he was so he was so credible like you know he was he was snug in the ring like you know he his chops came in heavy you know and everything he did and he was a good wrestler he was i used to watch his dad uh johnny valentine he used to work with my dad you know so i'd go to the forum the montreal forum and see those matches where 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 where, where, uh johnny valentine would put up his forearm like this and he'd put my father's face against the ropes and he'd come out with a big forearm on the chest and you know and and i was always like, oh. And then I know, me, but I was young at the time, and uh, but I enjoyed his long blonde hair, you know, sure. Johnny Valentine. And then, so when I worked with Greg, it was like reminiscing in time, like going back in time, seeing my dad, Jacques Rougeau, the same name as me, me Jacques Rougeau, going against Greg uh, Valentine. So so it was uh, it was awesome, and uh, and uh, and he was uh, I would say that uh, Brutus Brutus Beefcake uh, wasn't as talented as Greg.
0: Sure, you know,
1: he but but but. Because uh, Greg is like a second generation, and and, uh, and uh, but uh, but I enjoyed that working them. I, I even uh, remember uh, Dino Bravo turning on us, you know, yes. with uh, Greg, the, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and uh, Brutus Barber Beefcake. Yeah. But what great matches we had! Uh, I really enjoyed that very much.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that too, because um, kind of leads me right into my next question. So speaking of Dino Bravo, you go into WrestleMania three. And it's a rematch of that match from the big event, so against the Rujo Brothers, you guys are still a face team against the dream team, with the exception of now Dino Bravo's in their corner. um you know, if you could talk about a little bit about the match itself, but really more importantly, you know, like you said, you grew up around wrestling, right? You're a fan of it. this is your whole life. What is it like ninety three thousand people I mean, does it take your breath away when you look up in the crowd Because like, i I know you had to at least once look up and and just soak it in
1: you know. Out of all the things I remember, I, I, I'm sure, you know, it doesn't come back to me, like you said, just looking at the fans and everything. It was so huge. But but what I do think of is the time before the match, like we had to get on a golf cart to get to the ring. It was yep. so far away. Yeah. And, and and it was like we had to get, time the thing that the other match was almost not even finished. And we were go, come almost coming on the golf cart. It was so far away and they wanted to keep the show tight, oh, yeah. you know, and but what, but what I remember the most out of all that, and I tell this story in my stand-up comedy shows and my conferences is like, I, I, I'm trying to put my boot on and, and my foot's going like this,
0: <laughs> you know, I'm so, and I'm an experienced guy now in the yeah. business, you know, and, and I have to, I have almost like eight
1: years, seven years in the business, but I'm like, a, a, I'm just a mark. And I and I couldn't understand ninety three thousand people. You know how could that be so big? And and especially having Andre the giant main event against Hulk Hogan. You know and uh, but 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 uh, but I was so nervous and my throat was so dry because you know uh, any performer that, that that knows what I'm talking about when you have if they have some events that are so emotional sure. and so scary. You know, like, you don't want to screw up in front of 93,000 people, <laughs> you know? So, so my throat was dry, and I couldn't tie my boot, and I was looking at Raymond, like, saying, this is amazing, like, this is yeah. this is out of the ordinary, and, and, and you know, they still have pay-per-views like that today, but that was the first one. Oh, that sure. was the first one that, that had the record like that, and uh, so, it was, so it was amazing, and then, uh, to be honest with you, they're going in there and losing that match was a little painful, Sure, but... Uh, but but you know you have so much exposure. But then again, you know Dino came in and cheated and then and, and helped them win the match, so it wasn't so bad. You know. But I I, I keep this I keep this souvenir for the rest of my life, and and uh, I do a lot of comic cons sometimes, and, oh, sure. and, and 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 it's amazing how people come back with that picture of WrestleMania three.
0: Yeah. You know
1: they they ask me to sign it. Such an historic moment, and and also for them, but for me too.
0: You know and. It's incredible because that night there were two unbelievable matches to headline the card. There was Macho Man versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which is Um, one of the greatest matches ever, right? And there's Andre versus Hawk. Now, are you guys, you know, when your match is done, obviously I'm sure you shower or eat or whatever you have to do afterwards. Do you go back and try to watch that through the curtain or is that just something? Are there monitors backstage? Like, do you get to enjoy that part of the show?
1: (laughs) Absolutely, and and, and uh, I, I watched almost every match on that show, and and up to this day today, you know, I'm, I'm a little conceited when I say that, but I think that everybody that was on WrestleMania three should be in the Hall of Fame. Yep, and because because you know you have such talent in there, and, and everybody was everybody was watching the show from backstage from the first match to the last match with with passion because uh, you know it's your co-workers that are there, your co-mates, and, and, and you have all this exposure worldwide. But, you know, we're all a team. And, you know, and if you have on a card, you have 11 matches and you got seven bad matches and, and, and four good matches, that's not going to do the job. Right. So you're hoping that all your your partners are going to have a great match. Yeah. You know, you're hoping for that. So we, and I, like you said, you know, you got it right on uh, right on the ball there. The, the Randy Macho Man Savage against Ricky the Dragon steeple was probably one of the best matches in the history of wrestling. I agree. You know, I and two great talkers you know like they know they they had such great promos and, and then in my wrestling Academy actually Ricky and the Dragon Steboat has a word for the Canadian wrestlers so if you go on wrestling Academy.CA you'll see all the old-timers that are that are part of that show that are giving good words of encouragement so so yes it's a it, it's a, wrestling is actually my life I, I, I like I said I was in wrestling in four years uh, I was four years old I I was uh, I was introduced to wrestling when I was a mark, and then I uh, I was used as a uh, an angle with my dad. I got smart the night that my dad needed <laughs> me for an angle, and uh, so I lived life uh, in wrestling. I did forty one years of professional wrestling, you know, active in the ring, and and uh, and now I'm promoting one of the greatest events Canada's ever had, you know, in wrestling again. And and I always say that to my girlfriend for fun, but I always say the day that I leave this earth, I hope that you you put me in a
0: and some kind of a raft there in the middle of St. Lawrence River <laughs> and a wrestling, a wrestling
1: ring there and burn me in a wrestling ring, you know. That's, <laughs> that's, awesome. where, that's where I came, that's where my life started and that's where my life I wanted to end, you
0: know. Very true, that's <laughs> great. So here's the thing, you know, you're with the WWF a couple of years, you're part of this face tag team with your brother, baby faces, you know. But all of a sudden you're a hill and you go on to be an unbelievable hill and we're going to talk about that in a bit. But how does this come about? Because it was shortly after WrestleMania 4 at Trump Plaza. Suddenly, you and your brother, uh, you take on Jimmy Hart as your manager. Um, and then you're the All-American boys, you know, from Memphis, and you're waving the flags. What a great gimmick. Who made the decision to turn you guys hill? And how did you, how did you perceive it? Were you happy to change that pace?
1: Well, first of all, we don't like heavy metal. We don't like rock yeah. and roll. All we like to listen to is Barry <laughs> Hey. But you know, yeah, what a great, great time. Uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> if I'm honest and fair with the fans. Uh, we were two years. We worked very hard as baby faces. But you know, the americans they they are not really fans of Quebec people being right. baby faces and being over. Right. We were great workers, Raymond and I, as baby faces. But we, we, um, we after two years. Uh, Vince came, brought us together, and he said, guys, he says, listen. And I remember going to the ring every time we'd have a, a match, and we'd always get the crowd. You know, it was always hard to start the match. And then, finally, at the end of the match, we'd get the crowd and when the hearts were heels. And, oh, and yeah. it was amazing. People were standing on their feet then because we knew how to work, Raymond and I. And the hearts didn't know how to work, too. And, you know, there was Absolutely. a lot of good heel tag teams. But the truth is, is Americans want, didn't want Quebecers heroes. And then so Vince told us, he says, guys, the the truth is, is if you guys don't turn heel, we're gonna end up finishing your reign now. It's gonna we don't there's nowhere to go for you guys. So, you know. So we'd like to turn you heel. It was Vince's idea. And when he asked that to us, I said to Raymond, like we looked at each other like, Holy shit. Imagine Uncle Johnny up in his grave there, you know, <laughs> he's gonna be flipping around, you know, because the Rouge's always been baby faces sure. all their lives, you know. And then I was thinking of all the Quebec fans, you know, our fans here that were behind us all their career and uh, how they would take it, you know, it was really and finally it was the best move we've ever done because you know uh we had some natural heat jimmy hart was the greatest manager of all times and i would repeat that anytime in front of anybody you had some great managers you know and oh, Fungi, sure. bobby heenan and, and, and go on and on the list but the best one was jimmy hart and i always like to take a second to explain why sure. because jimmy hart He was the only guy in the business that would not only he would make music for everybody, he he recorded every song of music of wrestler. It was always him from Hulks to anybody. He always did the music. But but he was the guy that would have a, a suit on. That would suit your character oh yeah he would make some coats. he yeah. would make some coats, always for you always for his man he'd go on an interview and he'd never one time do like uh, bobby and would say you know i'm the smartest and fuji say i'm smart i'm this yeah. i'm that and the guys are slick we're smart and jimmy was never him it was always let me tell you something baby my man here my man he's the greatest my man and my man and my man yeah He was always his man and, it, and, and you know he always made prodigy or, or the guy that he was managing like we were really fantastic you know like he made <laughs> us feel like that he made us feel Jimmy Hart made us feel like if we weren't there he wouldn't be there and, right. and it wasn't like that because Jimmy Hart if he wasn't there we wouldn't have been so hot yeah you know so 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 that's the why I'm saying he's the greatest manager he managed to always give credit to the people he worked for and people recognize that and today in comic-cons when I go you know we all have our you know where places were sitting down with about 30 40 talent from the past and jimmy hart's line is always the longest yep <laughs> you know and just to show you that 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 he was smart he he and and what a great and always a guy that never did drugs never smoked never went to nightclubs and and i was like that too so it was fun. So so we'd always be up early in the morning. We'd always travel together. And, you know, we'd end up in towns like in Europe. I remember landing in Europe with Jimmy and everybody was looking for a nightclub or a bar where they could go that night. While well, Jimmy and I were looking for a Toys R Us yeah. to go see our dogs or, yeah. or a place where they have boot, bootleg pictures where you could buy some pictures, where illegal pictures of us, the frames that people made. Oh, yeah, so we all were time. On, yeah. And, and we were always, always on time. Yep. Jimmy Hart was always on time, and, and Raymond and I were like that too. We're very reliable, and 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 that's why we did. I did ten years with Vince because Vince knew he could count on us. He knew we'd oh, yeah. never miss a flight. He knew that, and, and we had the professional side not only in the ring but on the outside. So so I, I got away from the subject here, but I just want to make a, a yeah. I, I want to make a statement. I want to make a statement of Jimmy Hart. That, that that you know I adore that man. I see him sometimes again. I saw him in Minneapolis about two months ago. We did a comic con together. And once again, there was Greg the Hammer Valentine, there was Bushwhacker Luke, and there was myself with him. And he got in the ring. There was a wrestling show that night. And we signed autographs two hours before the show. And when the show started, they introduced Jimmy. And he had such an ovation. And when he got <laughs> in the ring, the only thing he had to say was good things about Greg, good things about Luke, and good things about me. You know, he never spoke about himself. And I had the chance that night. It was great because I went in the ring uh, actually when he introduced me, and instead of saying all kinds of stuff about me, I, I just told the people and the fans there what I just told you guys. Now sure. that I play, and I had a chance to make him feel like a king. And he was so embarrassed. He was so shy, and he always saying like, "Stop it, Jock! Stop it, Jock!" Like, you know, don't, yeah. talk, don't talk about me. Don't talk about me. And you know, so he's he's such a great person.
0: You know, it's remarkable to. And I tell a lot of people now because there's a lot of AEW fans out there that talk about their tag team division being strong, which it is. But, you know, I've said, guys, if you want true tag team wrestling at its best, look at the 80s WWF, the late 80s WWF, and the early 90s WWF. You were a part of two feuds uh, with the Rougeau brothers that I thought both were fantastic for two completely different reasons. One was the Bushwhackers. You guys were this technical wrestling team Against these brawlers that were just so unorthodox, you had to love them. And then <laughs> shortly after that, you know, and I, I tell people, go back and look at the tapes. You had a pretty good feud there. I mean, it wasn't overly long, but with the Rockers. And a, and a, a young Shawn Michaels, who people need to realize was brand new to the WWF. He wasn't new to wrestling. He was with the AWA. But you guys, you put him over. And that that was huge. What jumped out at you about your matches with the Bushwhackers and their style? And then kind of what jumped out at you about, you know, Shawn Michaels? Did you ever see it coming that he would become one of the greatest of all time?
1: No, and, and, and if I want to start with the Bushwhackers, you know, they were such nice people. You know, and I met I met Luke especially in the in the '80s, early '80s up in Knoxville, Tennessee, for the Fullers and them, and uh, for Knoxville territory and uh, and Pensacola territory. And always such a nice guy and a great human being, but Jesus Christ, it wasn't easy to work with (laughs) those guys. You know, you know, because they 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 were like you said, unorthodox. You know, they. They, they didn't have, Butch had a little bit more, but, but you know, look was more like licking your face and you know, mm-hmm. and doing stunts with people they were getting over like a million dollars. But it's hard for wrestlers, technical wrestlers, to get a storyline, oh, you sure. know, or something new, then work a hold and get back to the hold and uh, yay, and whoa. Yeah. <laughs> But we had so much fun with those guys. You know, I really enjoyed those guys. And uh, and actually, if you go on my Wrestling-Academy.ca, you'll see Luke Williams, one of the Bushwarkers. He gives yep. a good word, too, of encouragement yeah. for the Canadians for the he's, tournament. He's been on the, the show, Wrestling too. Academy. Absolutely. Yeah, go, go check that out. It's really nice. He's a really close friend of mine. I always stayed a close friend of mine. Now, if you're going to talk about the Rockers, it's a different style. Right. So I, I, I admire so much, so, so much Marty Giannetti and Shawn Michaels because they were like us. They were wrestlers. They were storytellers. They were good sellers. They were they like like I, I don't watch wrestling anymore. I haven't in a long, long time. But what I hear now is like it's more like uh, physical entertainment than, than than responding and selling. Yep. Like you know. Yeah. And, like like in in our days, we could work like we did some marathon matches. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we did some marathon matches with them. Like that was an hour match where the, the the team that won the most falls would win the match. Sure, Ironman. We'd, we'd, we'd do one-hour matches, and we'd, and we'd always finish up with 6-5 to five for them. You know, they'd beat <laughs> us at the last minute and something. And we played a joke on Vince McMahon one time. We actually uh, were in the Madison Square Garden, and uh, and we finished 5-5, uh, five to five, but we didn't tell him. And, <laughs> like, and when the match finished after an hour, I went out, I rolled out on the floor, I was beat up, and I took the microphone and I said... If you think you're gonna get away with this, Tarakas, you're wrong. I want overtime right now, <laughs> and we did another 11 minutes. Wow! So we did an hour and 11 minutes, and then they finally beat us. Yeah. But we had the Madison Square Gardens on their feet, and more than and better than that, they were such great workers. They they, they wouldn't spend any energy for nothing, and and, and 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 we 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 really had so much chemistry together. I remember doing a match with them, a marathon match in in, in London, England and at one o'clock in the afternoon and when we flew a three o'clock flight and got into Boston at three o'clock in the afternoon because there's six hours difference. And we did another one hour match that night. So we did two hours in the same day with those guys, but we could do it with those guys because they were the best. You know, they were just we knew how to resource our energy. Raymond is such a great talent, my brother. Yep. You know, he's a basic wrestler with such knowledge, you know, and he was with the years where everything meant something. You did something where and he was in great shape. I was the high flyer. My brother was more the grounded kind of guy. And we just come like like Marty. Marty was the grounded kind of guy, but Sean was the high flyer. Sean was the, I have the back flips off the top, and you know, and we did this spot me and Sean, just to give you an example. You know, we killed ten minutes just at the beginning of the match where, where I'd come in, we go to lock up, and just as to go to lock up for the first time. I'd say, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. and then I'd back up from him and I'd just say, Hold on, take a look at this. And i just roll on my back on the floor and I'd do a nip up, I'd land right on my feet to yeah. show my ability as an yeah. athlete. And then I'd look at the people, huh? Huh? What about it, huh? and then the people say, Boo! Yeah. And then I'd look at say, come on, you do it, come on, you do it. And then Sean would look at me like, "Come on, let's wrestle." So I said, "No, no, no! Show the people how good you are. Yeah. Show me that you're an athlete." So, so then he'd go ahead, he'd get on the floor, and he'd do a nip up. And when he'd do the people would go wild. They'd go crazy. And I'd look at the people like, "Holy shit!" Oh, I'd be pissed off because he did it. And, yeah. and and then and then I'd go and and and, and we'd do another move where 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 I do a, a, a some kind. of, I can't remember what the second move was. We we're doing another move. And then I'd say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd get out of the ring and then I put my hands on the rope and I'd do a flip over the top of the ropes to land on my feet in the middle of the ring. And then I'd go, ah, how about that move? You know, and, and, and we would just go on and on. And then I'd work the people and I'd say, you try it. You try it. So he'd be pissed. You know? He'd want to wrestle. <laughs> and then finally he'd just get out and he'd do the flip over the top. And then and, and people went wild. They went crazy. So then I'd say, okay, okay, now let's wrestle. So we'd go to lock up for the first time again, and he'd duck underneath me, and then he'd climb up the top rope. And then he'd do a backflip from the top rope, and then he'd look at me and he'd say, go ahead, why don't <laughs> you do that? And I'd All go right. like, holy shit. And I'd <laughs> look at my brother, like and we'd work that. And, and 10 minutes was gone in the match. Yep. And I finally climb up to the top rope where I'm shaking. I'm a little afraid. My, like my legs are shaking. <laughs> and then finally he just hits the ropes and I nutshot myself. Yeah. You know, I land up my and I take the bump to the floor. We never had a match yet, and there's like twelve minutes gone in the match. And the people were on their feet. Oh sure. You know, so so they're lacking of that, I think, today. Yes. They're lacking of going entertainment. Put that in everything means something. So that's why it was easy to do those marathon matches with Sean and Marty, because they were great, great athletes and great psychology.
0: I I believe it. Right around that same time, you know, uh, shortly before you left and then came back as the Mountie, they made a pretty big switch where they took the belt off of Hawk Hogan and had him lose cleanly to the Ultimate Warrior. We're going to get to when you beat him cleanly a little bit later because it's a very short list. It's an extremely short list of people Hogan has let pin him cleanly. But that was a big deal. Um, Again, I was a little kid. I think I was 10 years old, maybe if that, maybe 9 years old. And thought to myself, holy cow, the Ultimate Warrior is the champion? Like, how is this possible? What was the general perception amongst you guys, the boys as they call them, all the co-workers, all the performers for Vince? Like, did you think, like, this is not a good direction for the company, or it is, or, like, I mean, that, that was a pretty big shock to a lot of people.
1: You know, to be honest with you, Vince, I, uh, I gotta be honest, uh... My father always said, if you don't have anything good to say about someone, don't <laughs> talk about him. <laughs> no, but but I, uh, but I, 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 I don't want to knock him or nothing. I, I just want to say that he didn't have the right attitude. He he uh, he he didn't know how to wrestle, right.
0: you know.
1: And, and 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 so he didn't have the talent as far as a wrestler goes. But he had the great look, and he had a lot of charisma, you know. And he had the big 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 push, you know, but by, by, by shaking the ropes sure. and, and his disguise and his body that was, but but. Many wrestlers were more credible as far as wrestlers, Oh, yeah. as far as workers, and and so so that so when he walked in the room like he he wanted his own room and he wanted this and that that didn't set in well, and, and, and so and, and like he had he had an, act, an attitude also that was like he, he he thought he was better than everybody, and and so 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 it was hard for us to really like the guy, you know and uh, and. Uh, so, uh, so, so unfortunately, uh, uh, I, I personally wasn't a big, big fan of Ultimate Warrior. And, uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, what can I say? You know, there's maybe there's a little jealousy in there, too, from some guys. Maybe a lot of guys wanted to be in his spot, wanted to be in his place. And jealousy is a, is a disease that we all have a little bit of, you know, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and some more than others. And, well, uh, so, so the...
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say it like this, right, and we'll move on. But um, I look at wrestling now, matches, I, I watch matches from, you know, my childhood, much differently now as a 40-year-old who has studied the business, who has talked with a ton of performers um, than I did when I was 10. And so guys I would have cheered for when I was 8, 9, 10 years old would, I'm sorry, but I didn't I didn't know anything, right, as opposed to now. Now I look at some of those decisions and I'm like, my goodness, that's a risk. Like this guy... And then, and then you hear the stories outside of the ring and I'm like, oh my God, like it gets even worse, you know? So definitely, definitely there, but, um, definitely want to keep things positive And I, I want to keep this based on you here. The Maui, All right. To me is one of the most villainous, hateable characters of all time. Like how can you not hate this guy? Right? So the Maui I mean, my goodness. Um, you know, I, I wrote down here, I said that the, the Mauni is one of the most villainous, uh, characters of all time um whose idea was it and then on top of that you come out of the gates unbelievable a win at the royal rumble against Coco beware a win at wrestlemania against tito santana one of our all-time favorite guests on the show tito a great guy you know so these veterans are putting you over like mad i mean what what was the inspiration behind this because this was genius
1: you know what? I think the whole inspiration came out of Big Boss Man. You know, uh, out, out of Vince McMahon liking a Big Boss Man, being in a rough county cop jail, uh, where where he Boss Man was very likable outside of the dressing you know in the dressing room and uh, really one of the nicest guys almost like an Owen Hart yeah. you know and then so everybody liked Big Boss man I think Vince must have liked him the same way and I think that he liked me too at the time he really had this because we always worked hard we we're all a professional and, and I consider myself as a good worker so he had so 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 he uh, I took a year off from Raymond retirement retiring right. and uh, in 89 and uh, and i get the phone call at home like you know jacques uh, i'd like to have you back there as this character as the Mounty and i'm saying the mountie <laughs> and, like the shirt i got on here the Mounty. Yeah. but anyway I'm, and i'm going like, the Mounty? like i'm not a mountie you know, <laughs> and then he says uh, yeah well he says you'll be one and then so 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 but it was so funny because um uh, this character is probably the most popular thing I've ever done in my life. Yep. You know, and and uh, the things that we've done with this character, like, you know, I'm thinking of just the vignettes. I remember Jesse the Body Ventura on the side of the ring there with uh, Bobby Heenan or, or me, Gene Okerlund, and, uh, and and commentating because I wasn't even in the territory yet as the mounty, but they had these vignettes. You know, they had these little stunts there yep. that they, they put on TV, just teasers yeah. to introduce you and i and I and I remember that that teaser that I had it was just such amazing where I was on my horse. I was in a park you know in a, in a park in monte belleou here not far not far from where I live now and uh and there was a little vignette of uh, you know there was me and Jean by the ring, he says, "Well, you know me, Jean he says coming to the WWF soon." It's the Mountie from Canada. Let's go take a look at him. Yeah. So then they have on giant screens around the world now. They're introducing my like five weeks in a row. They're introducing me, but they're yeah. using almost the same vignette all the time because it was it was incredible. Anyway, so I'm sitting under my horse, and I got this uh, <laughs> all this outfit, the hat, and I got this serious, badass look on my face. You know, like uh, I hate the world and I hate people. And so this car pulls up beside me, and there's this young couple in the car that they're, 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 they're supposed to be two Americans that are lost. This guy with his girlfriend in the twenties. Yep. So so he, he pulls, so he pulls up beside me and he says uh, he says to me he says uh, he puts his window down and he says uh, excuse me officer excuse me officer he says uh, we're lost he says uh, actually he says excuse me officer excuse me officer and I look down to him and I says I'm not an officer on the mountain yeah. so then he looks so he looks at me and he looks at his girlfriend like holy shit I think I just found a wacko here yeah. so then he looks back up at me and he so he looks back at me and he says. Excuse me, mister Mounty. He says, Can you tell me? He says, uh, how to get back to the USA he says we're lost. So I look at him like an arrogant face and slowly I put my leg over my horse and I get off slowly. I get right beside the window to the guy where he's driving and I say, Come here. So the guy doesn't even want to get out of his car. So he looks at his girlfriend like, what should I do? Yeah. So his girlfriend says, come on, get out. Yeah. So then, so he gets out, so he follows me. So I bring him at the front of my horse. And when I bring him to the front of the horse, my horse, I, I take my horse's mouth like this and I put it up like this in the air. And I look at him and I said, you see that part of my horse? It always points to Canada. Yeah. So then he looked at me like he's a little nervous. I said, come here. So I bring him in the back of my horse and then I lift the tail of my horse and you can see the donut there, yeah. and, you know, and, and I lift it and I look at him and I say, you see that part of my horse? It always points to the USA. <laughs> and then, and so the guy jumps in his car and he just spins the wheels and he gets the hell out of there. And then and, and, and I'll tell you, the Americans don't have a good sense of humor because <laughs> I did that for five weeks. And when I got in the states, there holy shit people wanted to kill me oh you yeah throw, you know the you know the ramps for the hockey players park you know yep. the buildings the yeah. arenas i was throwing rocks on my head and stuff like that you know and i, I had a point where the policemen had to escort me when i'd land from the airport i'd go to the hotel and then i had some people that would escort me all the way into the building oh yeah because they would, i was getting killed by people you know they don't have a <laughs> sense of humor i'll tell you
0: that that was the great i mean i'm telling you like you know, I, I I still have your action figure. I'm proud to still have it, just because it was so <laughs> it was so outrageous. And to me, the ultimate payoff for fans, you know, and obviously you're not going to care because you were doing your job. It was, when you, was When you, of you of, went to jail, yeah. like that. <laughs> um, first hey, of but all, you know what? Go ahead. Vince,
1: I gotta tell you before you before you send me to jail, there, I gotta yeah, say something. Sure. You know, my my first match I had was with Coco Beware. Yep. My first one, and then all the boys, and, and the idea of the shock stick was mine. It was really my idea. It wasn't Vince's. It was my idea because it was an old manager in Quebec called Eddie Brain Creechman who, who used to rather, he was a, a, Abdullah's manager at the time in my younger days. And I was like 10, 12 years old in the dressing room for my dad and my uncle. And he used to have this stick and he used to scare the living death out of me. You know, he'd, he'd come in and there would be a little electric thing sure. at the end. Be, yep. And I'd be, I'd be so afraid of electricity, you know, when I was young. so So I brought that idea to Vince and he gave it to me. So here I come. With my big shock stick, well, actually, against Coco Beware. So, so we're in the ring, and this shock stick of mine, it has two buttons on it. It has the on and off up here, and it's got the emergency down here. So, so I got two buttons just to make sure that this thing doesn't zap, you know. Yeah. And it's just for show. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a real zapper that I have there. It's a lawnmower coil that's reversed, and and, and when the wire is that they have a flame about this big about two inches it was really scary and if you ask me how bad it was i don't know i never touched it but anyway all this to say so i got these two buttons and i work with coco beware we got about a 15 minute match and he's soaking wet and at the end i go and i take the shock stick and i zap him but when i zap him i don't know what the hell happened but anyway i must have flipped that other flip on in the back so I start zapping him and he starts shaking. Like, you know, he's all wet now and he's shaking. I'm going to myself in my own mind. I'm saying, Jesus Christ, he's selling the shit out of this. This is good. You know? And then the next thing you know is, you know, when you burn your skin, oh, yeah. it smells like pig. Yep. You know, it smells like pig a little bit. So now I start smelling the pig, you know, and I'm going like and I'm going like, Wow. Vince is good with his special effects. He's good. So anyway, so I end up going back to the dressing room. Now, this is my first impression. You don't have a second chance to make a first impression from all the boys backstage. So I get back, and the boys are freaking out. Like, wow, that's great, great. And I'm waiting for Coco Beware behind the the curtain (laughs) to thank him to give him a big hug. And he came through that curtain. He wanted to kick my ass big time. He was pissed off, sure. and I swear to God, two, three guys stopped him. He would have kicked my ass. But then, and now, you know, after that, I explained to him, I'm really sorry and that. but what a bad thing to happen. It's my first shock stick that I used, <laughs> and I almost killed a guy. You know, yeah. almost made So it, it What a story. And today, when I meet him in Comic Cons, or I talk on the phone with him, he actually sure. gave a good word for Wrestling-Academy.ca. You see, Coco put a nice word in there, too. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we always been friends, me and him. And the first thing we do when we haven't spoken in a couple of years is, like, hey, Coco. You remember that notch we had? And we, I don't have to say anything more. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. So so now anyway, all this to say, now you could bring me to jail now. It's time to go to jail. Okay? So
0: so rather rather than rehash an idea, because it, it's pretty self-explanatory, and fans go back and watch SummerSlam 1991. Um, it's First of all, it's one of the best SummerSlam's ever, period uh the match made <laughs> in heaven the match made in hell macho man gets married jake the snake and undertaker attack him with a snake at the reception i mean it's over the top ridiculous but again as a wrestling fan it's one of my all-time favorites so rather than rehashing the match and everything else i've always wanted to ask you this for so many years and i'm glad we got to have this chat when do you film the Viginettes in the jail with the prisoner and the guy who liked the leather and all that i mean it's hilarious and, and you're flicking off the camera and everything else like when was all that filmed? Was that like earlier in the day, or did you guys actually do that live?
1: You know, uh, you know, when you shoot an angle like that for over a year, where I'm beating all the, the I'm beating all the baby faces, and, and Big Boss Man is beating all the heels. Yep. And we're always referring to each other like, "Hey, Mountie, I'm gonna get you," and uh, <laughs> "and Big Boss Man, I'm the real law enforcement officer. I'm gonna get you." Yep. And so we had this thing that we went up, and we always. You know, we always are in the unknown territory. Like, when we get to this big jailhouse match, to be honest with you, although it's a work, you know, sure. we always hope that we're going to go over. Oh, yeah. Because you want your character to keep going, you know, and your character has so much heat, you know. So, So I didn't want to lose that match, and I didn't know nothing until the morning of the show. When they called me at the hotel, oh. and they asked me, they said the morning of the show, and like at eight in the morning, Pat called me and he said, uh, "Jacques, he says, uh, would you go to the precinct in New York? He says we'd like to do some videotapes, yeah. something." And I'm saying to myself, "Hmm, that doesn't look good there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> it doesn't look too good for me. You know, if yeah. I'm going to do vignette, that means you know that I'm probably going to lose the match." up to that date I was hoping that I would <laughs> screw a uh, big boss man or do something <laughs> and then and, 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 uh, so we did it in the morning and then uh, but what okay. amazing amazing videos I'm not gonna rehash the whole thing oh, that we it's... did and that uh, with the with the, the gay guy at the end too and the, and the, and the fellow that uh, he's a monster and you know yeah. and, uh, and, and we had this big face-to-face and I'm like scared I'm looking at him because I realized so big and then he looks at me comes face to face the cameras are in his face and he goes like
0: Hi, yeah, and you know, it, and the people around
1: the world were watching this on giant screen, and oh, every yeah. arena was sold out around the world, yeah. And can you imagine that? Uh, uh, no ring in the middle, just them full seats everywhere in the arenas, and they're watching me spending the night with a uh, a gay guy, yeah. you know, which it, was twice my size. And you know, and the people just said, The Mountie's gonna get screwed tonight, you yeah. Know? And, uh, and, well, it, and it was, it was just so awesome that that's epic,
0: yeah, you know,
1: and uh, oh, yeah, so to. So t- t- Talk to this date, you know, I. There's not one person I do a podcast. There's not one comic con I go to. There's not one person that doesn't refer to that 91 SummerSlam, which oh. was which was awesome.
0: It it was amazing, and you know, I, I thank you again for coming on tonight. We're almost done here. A few more questions. Thank you very much. I always felt that they rewarded you because you did such a good job with that, right? Like you did an amazing job. All of a sudden, they put the title on you. They put the Intercontinental title on you a little short while after this. Now. I have a question, and if you're unable to answer it, it's okay, because I'm not asking for a ton of insider information or anything like that. No, but go ahead, go ahead. But I've always wanted to know that when they came to you and said, we're going to put you over Brett, um, did they also tell you in the next breath, but you're going to drop it to Piper two days later? Did you know that, or was it another situation where you didn't find well, out until the day of the Rumble? Here
1: Here's how it happened. I was in, I was in Springfield, uh, Massachusetts, right. and then uh, – just going to my match, and, and and early in the the during the day, and, and Pat comes to see me. The dressing says Vince wants to see you, so I'm going. I go yeah, okay, like you know, did I do anything wrong or whatever? You know, I'm trying to think. And so we get into this ring, and in this room, there's Pat, Vince, and myself. And then he uh, Vince, uh, so so Pat starts taking, starts talking. Vince is just looking at my attitude, I guess. And so so Pat says, uh, now listen, Jock, He says we got good news and bad news. Okay. So he says, "What what news would you like that first?" I said, "Give me the good news." <laughs> he says, "Well, he says you're going to become the intercontinental champion tonight." I said, "No, no way, no way!" So I'm standing up in front of them, almost dancing like a uh, tatanka. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm just so frickin' happy. But sure. then he says to me, Jock, sit down, sit down, sit down. Yeah. He says, you know, we got the bad here, you know, the bad news. Is, you know, you got the flowers, now here comes the pot. But anyway, so uh, so it's like, I, so he says, listen, he says, in two nights from now, he says, you're going to be at Royal Rumble, and you're going to drop the title to Piper. And I went like, oh, yeah? Yeah. But it's okay. Right away, I said, it's okay, because... I knew I'd have enough time to take a picture with it and send it to my Montreal newspaper. <laughs> yeah. You know, to have a picture. And the funniest thing about that was, I didn't mind it. I was just so, I was just so uh, amazed, and, and th- that they used me.
0: Yep.
1: Th- 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 because Brett didn't want to drop the title of Piper. I think that's the inside story. You know, the real truth. Because Brett yeah. has always been a hard guy to deal with, and when he switched titles and stuff like that. So, so, so I think They. they but the fact that they used me. To put me in that position, it just made me up there with the top guys, you know, working, oh, you know, sure. taking the belt and dropping. And, and I came up with the idea with Piper where he had the vest underneath his, his shirt there, the anti, anti-shock vest yep. there. And yeah. so when at the end I zap him, and then it doesn't work, and then he beats me. And, uh, and so so I had such a great, great time. And the funniest thing about that, Vince, I got to tell you, uh, I'm doing Comic-Cons all over now these days. and uh, And everywhere I go, every doll they bring to me, every picture they bring to me, I have the Intercontinental belt on the picture with my toy. And the funniest thing is I only had, I'm the shortest lived Intercontinental title of all the history of wrestling. And then people remember me 35 years ago as the, and they come up to me just being nice to me and polite to me, but they say, hey, you're the greatest Intercontinental champion. And I say to myself, wow, two days. But, you know, people seem to tag me with that Intercontinental title. And I time. don't know
0: why. Because it was such an upset. Um, and I, like I said, I'm like the biggest Bret Hart fan there is. So for me, like, Bret, Bret Hart to me is my end all be all, right? But here's the thing I didn't think he was beatable. So, and no offense to you, but you just got your butt kicked by a uh, big boss man, spent a night in jail, and all of a sudden you're being Bret Hart. Like, so it's like psh, mind blown when that happened. I mean, that, that's why the it's main. so huge. Um, wanted to touch base with you too. This is kind of cool here. Um, you come back. You know, after that, what uh, would have been about maybe a year and a half later, you're part of a tag team called the Quebecers. Great gimmick. They put the titles on you. You guys are beating the Steiner Brothers right away, which is, again, shocking because they're an All-American team. Um, you ride that horse for six, seven months as champions straight through WrestleMania. It was a big deal. Your partner, which I find this to be amazing because we all knew you. We knew you as Jacques. We knew you as the Mounty, But here's this guy we don't know much about, you know, Pierre Alette. All of a sudden, here we are. Thirty years later, this guy's going strong fresh off a ring of honor championship he's on impact now like what can you say about working with him and everything he's done because I think it's an inspiration i mean it's to me it's mind boggling that at no offense at his age and everything he's been through this guy could, could do this it's incredible
1: it, it was amazing and when I first met him in Puerto Rico, you know uh, after the mounty gimmick because and the only re- the reason why the mounty gimmick stopped it's because uh I would have had a long run, but the real Royal Canadian Mounties took a lawsuit against Vince and they didn't like the image I was giving to the Mounties. And uh, so, so they had to, they took me off TV. They weren't allowed to show me on TV anymore. Oh, wow. I had a lawsuit. So that's why my character died not long after that, because I would have had a long run with the Mountie. I could have had a lot longer run. <laughs> oh, and yeah. so I went back home and uh, and then I was doing independent wrestling. I went to Carlos Caron in Puerto Rico. I was wrestling Abdullah at night and on the beach. Uh, this guy comes up to me during the day and he taps on my shoulder and he says to me, and I don't know the guy, and he comes up, but he speaks French. Yeah. So he comes up to me and he says, uh, Hey, salut, Jacques, ça va bien? And I go like, uh, hey, ça va, you speak French, huh? He says, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, he says, can, I don't want to bother you. He says, can you just do me one favor? He says, hey, can you can you watch my match tonight? He says, you're on last with Abdullah, but he says, I'm on first. And he says, uh, I just want you to watch my match. And that's what I did. And then after that, uh, after the show, he, he came to see me after my match with Abdullah, and then he just came to see me. He said, did you have a chance to see my match? I said, sure I did. I said, listen, I said, why don't you call me in four days from now? And he looked at me says, why? I said, just call me in four days. I think I have something for you. So then at the time, I was so tight with Vince, I just called Vince up on the Monday. I said, Vince? And I'd been off for a while. Yeah. I said, Vince, I think I just found this guy, that I'd like to come back as a tag team. I said, he, he's, he's he's incredible. You know, he's he, he bumps and he's he falls on the cement floor. He's like Gumby, you know, the, the green man there. That you just twist all over and he comes back straight. And, the, you know, he's so, so, so we put up a ring in my yard. And for three months, four months, we practiced like three times a week. And then the first night we came into Raw, the first night, we beat the Steiners for the uh, Quebec rules. Unbelievable. The first night. And then for a whole year, we traveled. As We won the titles three times. You know, uh, one Smarty Jannetty, one, two, three kid beat us. And then we beat him back. And then the moms, and we beat him back. And uh, so it was like... uh, we did a whole year as, as, as tag team champions, you know, most of the time. So so that was a great run. And today to see Carl go as Frankenstein or yeah. his gimmick that he did, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing to, to see that he's he's 52 years old, I think, 51 or 52 years yep. old, and he's taking bumps, like, you know, on the cement floor still like he did 30 years ago.
0: Hardcore you matches. Know, so, so
1: uh, I just hope that he doesn't end up like mankind, where mankind can't walk anymore or True. just abound. But but he's a, he's he, he like he does in his gimmick and he says he's not human, yeah. you know, and, and he's not human. And so so what a what a great asset for Quebec, what a great thing a great thing for 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 me personally to see that uh, I brought this guy in the business, you know, in the professional league, and that he's honoring that so well you know, today, so so I have just nothing but good things to, to say about Carl and the great memories that I had with me and him together.
0: Just just tremendous. I wanted to ask you one last question uh, that I wanted you to talk uh, one more time about the National Canadian Tournament. One last question for you, and this is a question that, you know, they say like, oh, this this is a dime or a dozen. This is not the case. You are probably one of the few people in the entire world who could answer this question, okay? You've been – you're. You're from Canada. You're Canadian wrestler number 1. You've been around promotions. You you've, you've you've promoted fights. You've seen it all. You've trained wrestlers, okay? You wrestled for Vince McMahon and you obviously know the Hart family. Canadian pride is a very real thing. So, when all that stuff happened with Brett and Vince back in 97, you know, at that time you were with WCW for a little bit, so you weren't there. But hearing about all that, were you, like, shocked? Or was it something where you said to yourself, again, being from Canada, like, this doesn't surprise me?
1: No. Um, to be honest with you, Brett has a nice word for us, too, on Wrestling-Academy.ca. He's a great uh, inspiration for all the Canadian wrestlers for this Wrestling Academy I'm doing. But uh, I-, I love Brett to death. You know, I've always been really close friends. I worked four years with him in the WWF. Two years as Babe and then two years as Heels. Yeah. You know, and then... And then I worked with him as the Intercontinental title so many times, but 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 Brett is a hard businessman. He 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 plays a rough game and a hard game, and the uh, and I think it came back to him because you know, like even when we beat him in, in, in Quebec, you know, we took the titles away from them, and they they never acknowledged it when I. They never acknowledge it on TV. I remember that, and then yeah. we were attacked, that Raymond and I became champions. And you know, they, we beat them on a Monday night, and the next thing you know, on Saturday, everybody in Quebec are looking to see the Rougeau brothers representing the whole world and from Quebec, and then they they took the titles back uh, three days in the newspaper saying it wasn't the right guy and this and that. Yeah. And, and, and then, even, and then even when I beat Brett for the Intercontinental title, you know, Brett came to the ring, and, and then before we started the match, the announcer said. Uh, Against the doctor's will, yeah, you know, because he's doing a hundred and four fever, you know, he wants to wrestle anyway. So, so I beat him that night. But who did I beat? I beat a sick man who was a hundred and four. You know, so so yeah. he he didn't always have the right way. I think of, of of giving back, and 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 I think that now he was going to WCW. He wanted to take the WWF title that belongs to Vince and the WWF, and he didn't want to give it back to them before he left. So there comes a time where. You're going to face things like that. So when that happened, the screw job in Montreal, I wasn't really like amazed, like surprised after I knew that he didn't want to drop the title because all those people helped Brett to get where he was. And I was one of them, you know, so there comes a time where you have to to, to, to give recognition back to the people who worked for you, you know, and, and put you over. And, uh, and I love Brett to death, you know, I love him to death. But I could tell him to his face, I always did, you know, <laughs> and he's still, I've been doing telling this interview for 30 years now, and he still did a good work for me for Wrestling Academy. So, so I think he recognizes that today. But I, I also think, now this is another thing that I think, I always had this little uh, animosity inside my heart towards him because of that. Mm-hmm. And now, I'm starting to think he marketed himself so well, he got so far in the business that did he really do it the wrong way? Or maybe it's just me that was such a nice guy, always saying a yes, man. I'm always saying yes, yes, Vince, yes, Vince, right. yes, Vince, and I, at the end I got screwed with Vince. You know, so yep. so it's like so who's right and who's wrong? Yeah, there's a fine line. There's a fine line there. So so and I and and, and Brett, I tell him that and he sees that now that maybe he had a little bit of right. It's just that there's a there's collateral damage when you have decisions that you take like that in your career with your your peers. But at the same time, if you're building your reputation, you, you maybe that was a good way of doing it. So so who knows? But the bottom line is, is I meet, I'm going to go out west this fall when I go back to my Winnebago. I'm going to take a ride after all this wrestling academy thing is done over. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go uh, do another tour uh, with my Winnebago and my girlfriend. And uh, I'm going to stop by Brett by Calgary. And I'm going to go have a meal with him. And uh, he, I always loved Brett and I always loved his family. So so I hope that answers a little bit of your question.
0: Oh, you did. And, and, you know, and like I said, you know, when I was emailing you to try to set everything up, you know, I'm one of those guys I try to keep everything positive. And I can't control what someone says on my show. I mean, unfortunately, we were the show last year or two years ago where, uh, you know, Terry Reynolds came on and, and said that stuff about Brock Lesnar. And the next thing I know, it's all over, like, the world internet. I'm like, I didn't even ask her that question. She just blurted it out that he did something to her, and, and I won't get into it. But, like, I don't ask those kind of questions. You know, <laughs> like, for me, I've always told people, yes, I am a broadcast journalist, but at the same time, I'm a fan. You know, it's. It,
1: I can tell you one thing. I can tell you with this Wrestling Academy, I really know who my friends are. If you go see on wrestling-academy.ca, you'll see all the old-timers like me that did some nice videos. You have a million-dollar man in there. You got Undertaker did one for me. You know, you got to go see the people in there. You're not, GSP and MMA did one for me. You know, these singers, there's rockers, there's comedians. There's all kinds of people that encourage this project, but mostly wrestlers that I work with, Tito Santana, and, and, and all the guys, and Ronnie Garvin, and, the, you know, you'll see all the guys that, that so I really know today that, that Lanny Poffo is one of them, yeah. and, and I could go on and on. And it's like, go on, go on, see the old-timers that are encouraging all these Canadian wrestlers. And I realized today that... Uh, Although all the animosity that we may have had in the dressing room and stuff like that, that that we have a mutual respect for spending 25 days a month together, like 25 nights in a row before seeing our family for just four days, you know, and then going back together, being married to these guys. And in those days, we had to compete, trying to get for the better spot, trying to who's going to go up through, who's going to be next champions, who's going to have the most valued, the merchant value. But at the time now that it's all over with, I look back now, and I meet these guys tugboat. You know, I see these guys. He has a nice word for me too. You know, so so you see that all these guys, we really like each other. We're not in a competing, competing mood anymore. Right. It's like we're all, we're out of that, and, and we were like brothers, brothers in the, and family in that in that business for so many years. So 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 it's awesome to to to, to 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 see all these people that are coming, helping me in this project, this Canadian project, which has never been done before. And then I'm gonna do it for the next six, seven years. I'm gonna recruit always the best wrestlers in Canada, put them together, make an elimination tournament by voting by people, the fans, it's not voted by me. And and, and it's really gonna be something that the people and the fans are gonna vote for. And, and, and I encourage everybody, to really go on, on wrestling-academy.ca and subscribe right now because the tournament's starting on the 15th of May, the first uh, the first round is starting, and then the 26th of June is the first round still, and then we're going to the dummy finals in August, and then the 26th of August, the last day, because it was the 14th, uh, 14th and the 28th, I mean the 28th of August, QT Marshall is coming to Montreal to assist the last eight wrestlers. They're going to meet each other. You know, one, there's going to be girls winning in there, and there's going to be guys winning in there. And QT is going to take the four winners with him and, and go back to the Nightmare Factory for three months. And what an opening, what a position. It's an incredible position because, you know, there's two things that can make it happen in wrestling. I always said that for someone who wants to start in wrestling and is young. is like being at the right place at the right time. And then then the other thing is not always what you could do in wrestling is who you know. So if you go spend three months at the Nightmare Factory, not only that uh, now that Cody Rhodes is gone with WWE, so they'll be recruiting from there and QT Marshall from AEW, they'll be recruiting from there, yeah. so what a great opportunity for those four wrestlers that are not only going to be there, like, uh, because when this started, Vince, i got to tell you two seconds, when this started, I, I had four sponsors that gave $5,000, and then I said to myself, I need to get a good candy there, a good, uh, something really big to, to, to draw all these wrestlers from Canada to join in, sure. and, I, and, and I finally thought of saying, what if I got this wrestling school, you know, this American wrestling school to come in, That's so perfect. I called QT Marshall up, and he was so nice to me and i asked him i said cutie i said would you give me one day just one day i said i'd like to take my four winners down to atlanta and i want you to judge them i want you to put them in the ring and see how they're good on the mic and see how they're good in the ring and that'll be a bonus gift for them for the four winners so he sure. said sure i'll do that for you and he said i'll oh, sure i'll do that for you mr Rujo he's calling me mr <laughs> Rujo because he said he had respect for me i guess it's so funny i didn't expect that and then, as we went along, like nine months ago, that started. And then, after about four or five months, every podcast I was doing, and every interview I was doing in Australia and Europe, because I'm very popular still, the bounty So I'm, as I'm doing all these podcasts. I was putting that little video on that QT Marshall had that was saying that he would look out for the four winners and just give him a tryout, you know, or something. So now, six months later, QT Marshall calls me back. So when I, I answer the phone, he says, Jacques, he says, so I'm going, yes, yes, Like, what did I do wrong? Like, you know, he says, no, he says, M- my phone is red at the, at the Nightmare Factory. He says, you keep talking about the Nightmare Factory. He says, you're doing a hell of a job in promoting my wrestling school. <laughs> so he says, why don't we do a gift? He says, why don't we give your winners a week instead of one day? And I said to myself, wow, a week. <laughs> that means you don't have to. You never have a second chance to make a first impression. True. But if you stay a week, if you screw up on Monday, you have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to make up. There you go. And then as we went along about two months ago, I'm going on this podcast in Montreal, Nick Dross's podcast in Montreal. So and a lot of there's a few haters out there, a few jealous people are saying, Hey, that's not true. Jacques is using the the school to get some popularity in this contest. And so I call QTS QT, QT. I'm going on this major podcast in Montreal. There's a few haters out there and that people that are against me on this project. They don't believe it. Can you make me a new video just to prove that this is true? Yeah. So I think – anyway, I think you have this video. I do. I think you have this video. Yep. But I, but I send it to you. I hope you got it. I got but it. anyway, so, so, so listen to this here. So he puts the – can we play it now? Is it possible to play gonna, it now or are you going to add it? I'm
0: going to add it when, once we're done. Okay. Yeah. So
1: let me tell the story then. And When you people finish this video, you make sure you listen to this video because what he does – is he tells me, that, okay, Jacques, I'll do you another video. So so that was like a couple of months ago. So I'm sitting at home, and I get this video just before going to this Nick Dross' podcast, one of the biggest podcasts I've been on. And I get this video, so I check it out just before going on the podcast. And then he says, well, you heard it from the horse's mouth. He says, this is a real deal. And he says, I'm going to give three months to the four winners. And I'm going like, I look at my girlfriend and I say, I think he fucked up. I'm sorry. I think he screwed up. He said three months. So then I rewinded. So then I, I listened to about That's four five there. times. So he went from one day to one week to three months that he's giving to my four winners. Now here's the difference. You gotta understand, Vince, What's the difference is? The difference is, is when you're there for for a week, it was great. You know, you have a. It's not Mr. Finally after a week, it's not Mr. Marshall. It's Q T. But when you're there for three months, it's like it's more like. Hey, buddy, now you learn and you laugh with them. You're his friend now. You've been there for three months. And plus, all the AEW wrestlers that train at the Nightmare Factory, they could come in, and they're going to meet the talent too, the girls that are there and the guys that are there. And they're going to come around the ring, and they've seen them for three months now, so they become friends with them. So now the, the wrestlers come around them and say, hey, I've been looking at you there for the last few months. You're working very hard and stuff. And maybe if I were you, I'd work on this thing here. You know." And, and like I go back to saying, there's two things that are very important in life to become a wrestler. is knowing the right people and being at the right place at the right time. And I think that this contest is going to bring this opportunity to all the Canadian wrestlers, females and male wrestlers, and plus all this for the last nine months, if you go on wrestling-academy.ca, you will see every contestant has a little video there. You just click on their face. And then you could go see their talking and doing their best moves in the ring. That's a promotional reel for them, that's 30 seconds each. So you get to know the talent. So QT Marshall has been following this for the last nine months. Yep. So no matter if you win or you don't win at the end, the, the four winners I told on my team from Canada, from Halifax Vancouver, I said, you already won because now they've seen you. You got exposure around the world with all the podcasts I gave you, so we're all winners in this thing, you know. So, so what a great opportunity for Canadian wrestlers!
0: Absolutely. I wanted to thank you again for your time tonight. All that inform, uh, information that Jock just got uh, done talking about, if you look in the same link as this video and the podcast, we're going to put out a video of this and also audio of this. You'll have the link to the to the uh, the website, the tournament information, and that video from QT. Jock, everybody here at Keon Sports, we thank you for your time tonight. Want to wish you the best of luck. And, uh, you know, thank you again for everything. Appreciate it very much.
1: Thank you. And just remember, the Maui always gets his man.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Vince.
0: Take care, sir. Ciao.